are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday, a couple more days before we get back from the All-Star break for your New Orleans Pelicans, but today I want to look at the Lakers trio and how they've done so far this season where they need to go going forward as we dive into the second half of the year for the Pelicans. So we're going to be looking at Josh Hart first. I told you I have a comp for him. I'm going to tell you guys what that is. A couple people guessed it correctly already. Then I want to look at Lonzo Ball, and then we'll wrap up with Brandon Ingram. Lonzo Ball did a hit on the Locked On Kings podcast talking about some of his trade value. Thought that discussion was pretty interesting as well. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. All right, so the Lakers trio, and let's look at how they've done this season, how they're going to maybe look going forward, and what's it kind of mean for them big picture. And I want to start with Josh Hart, because we talked about him in yesterday's show, and I'd said, you know, when when it comes to Josh Hart, and to an extent Lonzo Ball too, right, it, it's about the next contract. Everyone is underrated till they get paid, and then they become overrated. And in a small market, every dollar's got to count. You know, overpaying a guy can be very crippling to a small market team that doesn't have some of the resources and things that a big market team like the Lakers, the Knicks, you know, and some of these others have. So Josh Hart getting paid is is going to happen. Everyone loves this dude. It's a wing player that's got good size that can defend multiple positions. He's going to get paid this offseason. The question really then becomes... Okay, how much is he going to get paid? That's the real big one here. And we don't have a great answer for that. Not a ton of teams have cap space. He's going to be a restricted free agent. So the Pelicans, you know, can match any deal coming through for him. But is 15 million too much? Is it more than 15 that he could get? Given that positional versatility, kind of known as a three and D guy, if he is, you know, even though he's inconsistent from three. So what might his player comp be? And what might the contract comp be? And the guy that I keep kind of coming around to, and I don't know how accurate it is, but I think it's fairly accurate here, is Jeremy Grant. Formerly of the Denver Nuggets, recently went to the Detroit Pistons, and he got paid this offseason a three-year, $60 million deal. You know, we we talked Jeremy Grant in the offseason as a guy we'd love to see here, can defend multiple positions, shoots the three pretty well. He, he's probably a better version of Josh Hart. I think it's probably the best way to kind of look at it. He's more of a power forward, at least last year than he, or sorry, he's been more of a power forward at times throughout his career than small forward, but he's kind of all over the place too. He has played shooting guard. He plays some of the three, but it's similar-ish, right? Guy that can defend multiple positions out there on the wing that shoots the three ball well. So some differences there, but a lot of similarities in terms of that. Well, the year before Jeremy Grant got paid, and he's kind of exploded this year, he took this Detroit job, um, 
offer. There we go. Because they offered him a bigger expanded offensive role. And he jumped from, in the year before he got paid, 12 points per game alongside three and a half rebounds, shot 39% from three on three and a half attempts per game, to this season he's averaging 23.4 points per game. His minutes have jumped almost 10 per, and he's the focal point of the offense at times. If Josh Hart is looking for a similarly expanded role and someone's willing to offer it to him, he's going to be gone. His numbers aren't horribly off from the year that Jeremy Grant got paid. So Jeremy Grant, last season, 2019-2020, again, 12-4 and th- uh, 39% on four attempts per game. Josh Hart... Nine points, so th- 9.2, so about three less per game than Jeremy Grant. However, he's averaging 7.3 rebounds, so about four more per game than Jeremy Grant is. He's shooting 33% from deep, so not great and been inconsistent there, but on decent volume, four attempts per game. The positional versatility. Known somewhat as a 3 and D guy throughout the league, even if he's passing up too many open threes right now, and he's been inconsistent shooting. There's some similarities here. I think the rebounds counteract the lack of scoring, and I wonder if teams think that Josh Hart could take on an expanded scoring role. He's been doing a good job of getting to the rim, I think, a little bit. And so when I see this, I do wonder if he's going to get paid closer to $20 million than maybe $15 million. It scares me a little bit for a role player making that kind of money. We're not even sure we want to commit that to Lonzo Ball, who's a starter and plays a much bigger role on this Pelicans team than Josh Hart does. I would hate to see Josh Hart leave. I don't think Jeremy Grant is a perfect comparison in terms of pay and type of player, but I think it's kind of close. And when you look at some of those numbers the year before Jeremy Grant got $20 million a year, it's not horribly far off, and it's actually pretty similar, I think, with a couple of trade-offs from Josh Hart. I wonder if Josh Hart might be in for a real big payday this offseason. So we'll get into Lonzo Ball next and a couple of takeaways from my talk with Matt George, host of the Locked on Kings podcast, who is interested in Lonzo Ball, but we weren't able to come to a deal and I'll kind of explain why. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by rockauto.com. I finally did it. Finally got some time to work on the car over the weekend. Install all of those parts that I had ordered from rockauto.com. A support frame for the radiator, the radiator itself. Other parts to hold the radiator in place. I ordered just new nuts and bolts to bolt everything in with fancy new pieces that weren't 44 years old. Took like six hours of work, but you know what? I felt good doing all of that because it was so much cheaper than if I had ordered all of this stuff from anywhere else. RockAuto.com has the cheapest prices online for auto and body parts for your car or truck. 30, 50, 100% less. Not 100% less, but uh, other other places charge you 30, 50, 100% more. Trust me, I looked around trying to shop for the best prices on the same parts. They were cheapest at rockauto.com. Now, I need to order a couple of more parts because after getting everything in there, getting ready to fire up the car, the hood closed and now the hood won't open again. So I think the latch release cord cable broke and now I need to order a new one and fix that and get the hood open so that we can get the car running. But you know what? I still feel okay 
because it was so much cheaper than if I had gone anywhere else. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique and easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer because best of all prices at RockAuto.com, as I've been saying, are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and the Lee Sterling lock of the day. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk a little bit about Lonzo Ball and kind of the big picture for him in the second half of the season. We don't need to rehash what we saw from him in the first half inconsistent, highlighted by really, really good play at times, the guy that makes you think he could be the core guy. But he's in that awkward position of, well, he's about to get paid, and, you know, are you comfortable giving him the kind of contract that he might have played his way into? He might have played his way into like a four for 80 or three for 60. And I don't know if I am. I don't know if a lot of people aren't. Some are as well, because he's shown a lot of flashes, and he's kind of really blossomed in a more ancillary role for this Pelicans team, that 3 and D kind of player in the starting lineup that can be a secondary ball handler at times. There's a lot of interest in him around the league on a surface level, I think, from fans. This is not from like front offices. But I think almost every other team in the league, their fans would be like, yeah, we'll take Lonzo Ball. And then you start to have the discussion about it and what it would entail. And then they realize you're going to have to pay him. And that interest quickly dwindles. I've seen it from the Denver Nuggets, Adam Mares of the Locked On Nuggets podcast. It's like, oh, yeah, I'd love him. And then it was like, you know what? Now that I think about it, no, don't really want to make a trade there. It's happened for a couple of other teams as well. And then Matt George, host of the Locked On Kings podcast, reached out to me yesterday and asked if I'd come on and talk a little bit about Lonzo Ball and a potential trade. Okay, that sounds good to me. So we hopped on to see if we could get a deal done. I looked at the Kings roster. I was going to kind of be David Griffin. You know, he is um, their front office executive who, who they just brought in, Monty McNair. I was blanking on that for a second. And we'll see if there's something there. We ultimately couldn't uh, really agree on anything. One, because the Kings roster is weird. Like, who do you want on there if you assume Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox aren't available. Don't forget, Buddy Heald's on a big contract getting paid $20 million a year. Is it worth it for him? He's just as inconsistent as Alonzo Ball has been. I'm not really sure. And so it, it's tough to find a trade. I, I'm not hugely high on Harrison Barnes. And even though I think he's a useful player and maybe tradable, at, at a certain point, is it just better to let Alonzo Ball expire rather than take on long-term money? And kind of gum up your cap and maybe reduce other deals that you can make in the future. It's worth keeping in mind with all of that. So we weren't able to come to a deal because for Lonzo Ball, you know, they weren't interested in giving up a first round pick, even a future first round pick that's lottery protected. That wasn't something that they were willing to do. So it then just becomes of, okay, is there any player that's that interesting? And it really wasn't. But the fact that they want a secondary ball handler, they like De'Aaron Fox off ball. Tyrese Halliburton isn't ready for that role full time just yet. So adding another secondary ball handler to kind of be an additional guy, not a starter, probably a six man of sorts, but even, but a core player. And, you know, how do you pay a guy like that, right? 
if he's not going to be a starter on their team, all of a sudden Matt George is very uncomfortable giving him $20 million a year, maybe more than that, right? You've got to pay a premium to keep guys in Sacramento. You got to pay him more. $22 million for Lonzo Ball to play in Sacramento, even though he's a restricted free agent. That's not something that they're going to be willing to do. And if teams don't view him as a starter, and maybe teams do, maybe they don't, they're not going to be willing to trade for him. Or if they do, it's going to be a bad offer knowing that you may lose him, that he could be a rental. Rental players drive down your return. Look at what we saw with Anthony Davis refusing to say, you know, saying he wouldn't sign with the Boston Celtics long term. They didn't even really kind of get into the mix much because of that. That's a big problem. And you run into that, I think, a little bit with Lonzo Ball here. But that's how other teams are kind of viewing him, at least from the people who cover them on a daily basis, right? Matt George knows the Kings better than I know the Kings. He knows the Kings better than you know the Kings. He probably knows the Kings better than most people know the Kings because that's his job to cover him on a daily basis. Like, I know the Pels better than most people who don't cover the Pelicans, right? So I trust their their insight when all of a sudden they're like, yeah, no, I don't know about this. Same for Adam, same for other hosts that I've talked to as well about him. It's a difficult situation. So at that point, I'm not in favor of trading him for more long-term money. Let him expire. There's something to be said for not falling into the sunk cost fallacy, trying to get something even though you've already kind of invested in it, and just letting him expire. Worst case is it clears you up just a little bit, gives you a little bit more flexibility away from the luxury tax, which the Pelicans are kind of already in trouble with right now. I think there's something to be said for not making a mistake in signing someone long-term deal or bringing long-term money back either, right? It's the same thing. If you bring in Harrison Barnes, it's another $20 million on your books next year. $20 million after that. Declines a little bit, so it's not quite, but we're rounding here. So it's, it's a similar problem, I think. So it's tough to really figure out exactly what to do or how to do it with him. And I don't think the Pelicans want to just trade him for like second-round picks. I think at that point, you may as well kick the tires on him for 36 games. And if he has an incredible 36 games, well, then maybe you do end up re-signing him and you're less worried about it because of that. But for sure, the Lonzo Ball situation, the trade deadline is about two weeks away, March 25th makes this a whole lot more interesting and a whole lot harder to try and figure out. So we'll get into Brandon Ingram here in just a minute. But before we do that, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and other reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and prompts on almost anything you can imagine. Plus, bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use Using promo code locked on again that is a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code locked on that's free money right there bet online your online sportsbook experts when you need fantasy basketball advice it's important that you have a reliable source and more people trust josh lloyd host of the locked on fantasy basketball podcast than any other fantasy basketball podcast subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast locked on fantasy basketball wherever you get your podcasts so wrapping up today's show, talking a little bit about the Lakers trio that came over in the Anthony Davis trade and what the rest of their season is going to look like. What's the kind of the big picture things for them? For both Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart, it's, it's really the money and trying to kind of figure that out for them in their places on this team with bigger contracts or on other teams with potentially bigger contracts too. 
And I think both those guys are in line to get paid, which could put New Orleans in a bit of a crunch here. But one guy that we know is going to be back next season, and that's Brandon Ingram. Virtually identical numbers, as I've been saying this season, to last. Though, certainly wasn't going to be on the All-Star team with Zion in there. They weren't going to put two on the uh, from the Pelicans on there on a team with a losing record, 15-21. and 21. Even if Brandon Ingram was one last year and has virtually the same numbers this year. 24 points per game, five rebounds, five assists. He is shooting from three, 39% on six attempts per game, getting to the free throw line five times, hitting him at 87%. All the numbers are really good. All of the numbers are really, really outstanding. There's no denying that whatsoever, at least offensively. The problem with him is defense, and going forward with him, that's where we really want to see him try. When you look at guys who play significant minutes for New Orleans, he's basically the worst defender out there. That's not a great thing to see. Eric Bledsoe has been worse than him so far this year um, in terms of some of the statistical metrics, but it hasn't been great for Brandon Ingram um, when it comes to trying to help on the defensive side of the ball, but we think he can improve on that side if he really just kind of cares and commits himself to it but I wonder if that's the case he knows he's got to score and look he's been having to work harder to score that's kind of been the thing with him and this can go one of three ways one of three ways really one of two ways most likely so first way is it could just stay the same and he keeps up putting the same numbers taking more mid-rangers than he did last season getting to the rim about half as much the other way is If his mid-range shooting starts to regress to the mean of the league, and he's a very good mid-range shooter, so maybe it won't. Maybe that's why it's option one. But if it does start to regress, these scoring numbers are going to go down, and he's going to look like a much, not much worse player, but he's going to look worse than last year. Or option three, two, however you want to call it, is he improves his shot profile, can get to the rim a little bit more, and you see the scoring numbers kind of go up, like shoot up a good bit. If he were to start to take three more shots at the rim, he converts two of those to four more points per game, and he's averaging close to 28 then. That would be awesome, right? We'd love something like that. Almost a 30-point score. That's pretty badass. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Not because of him, but because of some of the spacing issues. Those are very real. Doesn't mean it's not working, right? He's still putting up the same numbers with spacing, some spacing issues. I think some of it's overblown. But certainly, you're seeing Adams kind of impact it. Just like, just like Derek Favors did last year. So there's nothing new there. There's no difference there. And then, you're also putting in Zion, which is really maybe where the issue was. Last year, Zion didn't play. Only played like 30, 30 something games, 34, 32, was it 28? I can't even remember now. And so BI didn't need to worry about that. But now that you've got both a center and Zion out there and Zion being such a force of the rim that teams back off of him and really try and defend that against him, he's still able to score. Yeah, it mucks up spacing for BI. So this is where you're going to need to get creative to get him open at the basket. And this is where Stan Van Gunny is going to need to earn some money on offense. He mainly needs to do it defensively. But he's still going to need to do a little bit work offensively, too. Point Zion's a very real thing, and it's working. But you haven't seen such a strong two-man game between him and and Brandon Ingram. And that's what I'd like to see a little bit more of. Pick and rolls between the two guys. Can Ingram screen for Zion and then roll to the rim and try and get him on a pocket pass or a lob from Zion? Or if he does take all of that kind of attention does it make it easier for Zion to score two-man game between those two guys I think could free B.I. up a little bit more and you haven't seen that a ton sometimes when Zion has the ball in his hands B.I. is kind of relegated to a spot up shooter roll from three 
He's a good three-point shooter, so I'm fine with it. But that's not the how you only want to use him. You want a couple more wrinkles in there. And that's really what I'm hoping we'll see. Let's figure out a way for these guys to really, really work well together and show that they are the absolute core going forward for this team. And it's not just Zion and hopefully B.I. Let's make it Zion and definitely B.I. And I think it's something they can figure out as the season goes on. you got 36 games to be able to do it. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.